And then at 50, what happens? Everything gets better. No, (laughs) I love it. 50 is the new 20. Hello, everyone. I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen, and welcome to the Primal Kitchen podcast. Today, I'm ecstatic to be sitting down with fasting expert, Dr. Mindy. She's on a mission to teach a million people how to fast. She is a renowned holistic health chiropractic doctor um, who's helping people be the healthiest version of themselves through intermittent fasting. She believes this is the key to regulating hormones, stress, and overall well-being. Before we get into it with Mindy, a quick reminder, as always, any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Um, hello, Dr. Mindy. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. I, anytime I can talk about fasting, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Well, we're excited to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. So give me the lowdown. How did you get here as a fasting <laughs> expert? I want to hear oh, the God. personal story. Oh, God. Okay. Well, here's, here's it's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. Um, when I hit 40, I had one goal in mind, and that was to be in the best shape of my life. And it really, for me at that time, was two things. Uh, one was a number on the scale. And the second was, you know, being able to fit into my skinny jeans. Like that was my measurement of health. I was eating all day. Breakfast was my most favorite meal. I was doing a little more paleo. I was experimenting with paleo and kind of t- trying that those things out. Um, and I felt really, really healthy at 40. I really felt like, gosh, I'm at my peak. By 43, I was a hot mess and I had not changed anything. I was just living the same life. I was not sleeping. I started gaining weight. I was depressed, um, anxious. It was like my hormones just started to massively switch. And so I discovered, oh my gosh, I got to do something different. This is not, my lifestyle is not working for me. And there were really five things that I changed that really helped me balance my hormones out as I went through my forties. But the bit, one of the biggest ones that really moved the needle for me was fasting. And I, I watched the studies on intermittent fasting from afar. I was like many people, I was like, well, maybe I could do it one day a week. I'll try it skipping breakfast. But as I experimented it with it more and more, it was like this miracle cure that had my brain really supercharged. I didn't get the three o'clock crash in the afternoon. I started sleeping better. I started retaining information at much more efficiently, better than I'd ever retained information in my entire life. And there was something that dramatically shifted in me. And so I just dove into the science on fasting And it's profound. I mean, all different length fasts, what you break your fast with, like all these things really matter. And that's sort of how I landed here is once I learned something, I went to YouTube and I shared it on YouTube. And before you know it, you know, 17 million video views later from YouTube, here I sit. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I want to come back to that in a second. Very curious what your, well, let's just, I want to dive into it now. What's your most popular YouTube videos then? How are you oh getting my gosh. 17 million views on YouTube? That's crazy. Oh, this is a really good question. So, le- so let me tell you what it is. So it's over a million views. And when I discovered um, autophagy uh, and mixed that with, gosh, the longer you fast, more healing switches get turned on. I literally one day after seeing patients all day, grabbed one of my staff and I said, I'm going to draw this out for people. I call it the timeline benefits chart. And I want to show people that when there's a point at which 
insulin will drop enough that these healing switches start. And so I drew this timeline out and I don't have a microphone. I had, I have my red glasses on. I I didn't understand lighting at that point in time. So I like the ring lighting is reflecting in my glasses. Um, And it's the most popular video. People flip and loved it because they want to know like at 17 hours, this happens and 24, this happens. And the longer they fast, but the comments on it, you got to go read or like, (laughs) Why do you look like Bozo the Clown? I have red glasses. Yeah, no, I kid you not. Um, Why are you screaming at me? And I was like, I'm just an enthusiastic person. I was like, I don't know. So uh, yeah, so that's the most popular one. I love it. So take me through it then. How far does this timeline go and what does happen at all these key points? Yeah, it's it's a really good uh, vision of fasting. So here's how it works. Um, I, for me, I say you are in a fasted state the minute you stop putting anything in your mouth. So if dinner ends at, you know, you put the last thing in your mouth that would raise your blood sugar at eight o'clock, 801 starts your fasting window and insulin will start to slowly come down. So 13 to 15 hours um, after that last thing in your mouth, uh, there's a lot of things that happen. Your body starts to make this switch over into the fat burning energy system. So it'll make this, it'll go from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. When it makes that switch, it starts to make ketones. So most people will see some ketone production 13 to 15 hours. As those ketones go up, what will happen is the body will make more growth hormone super important hormone because we don't get it after 30 and it helps to slow the aging process down. It helps to burn fat. So we need growth hormone after 30. Uh, You'll also see inflammation start to come down at uh, 13 hours. There's some interesting studies on women and breast cancer that that fasted for 13 hours, their immune system started to go up so much that they didn't have a, they had a 70% less reoccurrence of breast cancer. If they did just something as simple as 13 hours of fasting, Kaiser actually teaches this now it's crazy. Wow. So, so that's like 13 to 15. At 17 hours, you start to stimulate autophagy. That was, that was what this video was on. And autophagy is where the cells start to clean themselves up. They detoxify pathogens. Uh, There's great research out right now showing that if a virus comes into a cell that's in a state of autophagy, it cannot replicate. So you can start to shut down viral replication. You can get rid of yeast. You can get rid of, you know, bacteria like E. coli. If you ever got like a, a stomach flu of any kind from like, or food poisoning, you'd want to be in a state of autophagy so that the cells, the viruses and the bacteria don't replicate. At four, at 24, what they're seeing is your intestinal stem cells will reboot. So those of us that are eating food that has glyphosate in it, which is pretty much every human, um, it's hard to get away from it that, or you have a leaky gut, you throw us some 24 hour fasts and you'll start to see that you can repair a leaky gut. You can, things like SIBO get are easier to repair small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, any gut issue, throw a 24 hour fast at it. And it really starts to repair it. 36 hours, you, there's some incredible research showing you can overcome metabolic syndrome, which is waist circumference, visceral fat, blood pressure, um, uh, LDLs, total cholesterol changes. The study that is the most impressive there shows 
36 hours of fasting followed by 12 hour eating window, then 36 hour fast, 12 hour eating for four weeks, improved metabolic markers dramatically. 48 hours, you get dopamine receptor sites that new receptor sites for dopamine emerge. So anybody with depression and anxiety can start to see that they can improve happiness just by opening up dopamine receptor sites, getting more dopamine receptor sites. And then the Mac Daddy was Walter Longo's three-day water fast, where he showed that on the third day, 72 hours of fasting will reboot your whole immune system. So old, tired, white, white blood cells will die off and new ones will form and it reinvigorates the innate immune system. So it's pretty, pretty impressive yeah. what happens when we go without food. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. Do you think that's why when you when you mentioned going back to the virus, so is this apply to all viruses? There's like, you know, one very popular, popular one. virus in the world right yeah. now. Yeah. How does that affect? Has there been any studies on COVID and fasting? Yes. So the, I actually just did something on Instagram this weekend because I feel like we really get, we need to get this message out because whether, you know, regardless of what you decide to do around your health right now, the most important emerging fact is that we have to get metabolically healthy. So October, 2020, there was a study done specifically on COVID and they found that you could stop COVID viral replication by being in a state of autophagy. That literally, if, the, if we, we have two ways to burn energy, one from our sugar burner when we eat food, when glucose goes up, and the other is from fat burner, ketogenic energy system where ketones go up. So when you stop eating and you make this switch and you come over into this different energy system, viruses don't have their own energy system. They have to work off of yours. So if you're a sugar burner, a real, like, let's say I love to throw, I love to point this one out. I don't, you can, you can decide what you think of it, but if you decide to go to a Krispy Kreme donut and power up on some Krispy Kreme donuts, because they, now they've got the bad oils, all the, the toxic, um, sugars in it, you're bringing your blood sugar up. And if you go out, you drive out a Krispy Kreme donuts and somebody breathes on you that has COVID too. You're, or you're or COVID-19, you're going to find that cell is going to give that virus energy. That virus will go into a sugar saturated cell and it will gain energy and replicate even faster. Now, same person, same viral load, you get breathed on, but your cells are in a state of autophagy. They're in this fat burner system. There, that virus comes into a, a cell in autophagy, it can't replicate. It has nothing to grab onto and, and create energy with. So literally the best thing, whether people, you get the shot or don't get the shot right now, the very best thing we can all do is practice being in a state of autophagy. Not all the time, but you know, throw a 17 hour fast in daily, every three days a week. Like This is a really important maintenance for this virus that we're dealing with. That's fascinating. I I hadn't heard that, but I it makes total sense. And we do hear a lot about that as relating to cancer as well. I feel same like. thing. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. interesting. Um, one of the cool things about my platform is because we fast together once a month. We do something called Fast Training Week. We get hundreds of thousands of people fasting. Um, I get all the stories. People tell me. And the consistent story over this pandemic has been the avid fasters. If if a member of the family gets um, COVID, 
they don't even get a symptom. Well, how can that be? Well, it's because if they're fasting, then that there's no viral replication. The virus can't take over. Same thing if you don't want like an adverse reaction from the shot or, you know, you can use the same concept to just keep that immune system at bay and make it so there's no viral replication. So fascinating. Right. But it's free. It's free. So nobody's going to make money off that. So you're not going to hear it. It's free. And it's, it's challenging for people who are used to, you know, waking up, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm going to grab a bar on my way to the gym and then I'm going to have a salad and then I'm going to have a snack at three when I crash and the process just, but, but it's not as challenging as putting a mask on and staying home. I I'm with you hundred percent. I've actually been <laughs> intermittent fasting for like a decade before this was a thing. I got, I got interviewed on the news for intermittent fasting when I was like 25, because I was like, there was no information then. I just That's wasn't awesome. hungry in the morning. Right. So there are just certain people I think it's maybe easier for, but it's very interesting. Okay. So bef- how long did it take for your personal health to do a 180? Like, was this a, over the course of a year, like by 44, are you just killing it or how long? Yeah. It, it, yeah. So it's kind of taken several different steps. So I would say once I found fasting, it was weeks. Like I literally within a week or two, I stopped crashing and my brain started like in the afternoon, I wasn't like wanting to take a nap. Um, maybe within a month I was like, why do I exercise? I can keep my weight the where I want to keep it by intermittent fasting. Of course, you know, I now exercise for mental health, yeah. but I used to exercise to keep my, be able to fit into my skinny jeans. And I totally changed my relationship to exercise. So weeks to month, a month. Um, the interesting thing about the forties is that's typically the perimenopausal years. And I, at about 43, thought I was actually going into menopause, like missed periods, like my hormones were really messed up. And I hadn't really, I mean, it was just a lifestyle that I had really wasn't working for me and I had to change. Uh, I'm 52 uh, next month and my cycle is more predictable than ever because of just cleaning up my diet, detoxing and fasting, it balanced my hormones out. So that has been, that was more over years, but the mental clarity, the lack of hunger, the energy, all that was weeks. Yep. And so what, what else happens in our forties and when, what is the normal age for menopause? Do you feel like you've extended that time because of fasting or give me the scoop on that? Yeah. So normal age, let's answer that one first. Normal age for menopause, healthy age for menopause is over 50. The average woman goes through menopause somewhere between 52 and 55. That's a really good window to go into menopause. Um, I'm shocked at how many women go into menopause in their early forties. We've got uh, 35 year olds going into menopause. If you go into menopause before 50, if it's not like surgical, like a hysterectomy, or you went through some, any cancer treatment and you just randomly went through it at like 43, like I was starting to do, it's an environmental issue. It, it, that is not a healthy place to be. The, the part of the brain that controls hormones is uh, open. It doesn't have, it's the hypothalamus pituitary area, doesn't have a blood brain barrier. So there's nothing protecting it from toxins. So it can accumulate, it, you know, high amounts of sugar can accumulate there. We've got toxicity can accumulate there and throw all your hormones off. So I like to see people go into menopause 50 or later What happens at 40 that I wish I had known, and I feel like 
every woman should know is that at 40, your ovaries are going to be like, I'm out, I'm done. I'm going to take a slow decline. I'm going to take about 10 or 15 years here to just slowly unwind. And I'm going to hand the job of making sex hormones over to your adrenal glands. Well, every, you know, if you're, if you're a 40, 41, 42, you have a family, um, I mean, you, you have a career, like it's game on for those adrenals. So a lot of women, when they're going through those perimenopausal years, if you don't really take good, great care of your adrenals, we'll notice even more of a hormonal swing. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a stressful time. I'm, I'm like, I have two toddlers and then, you know, on the brink of 40 ish, I'm 37. So yeah, I feel like there was a big change for me at 30. Um, yeah. just my metabolism. I don't know if there's anything to that, but I, I, well, you, like- you don't get growth hormone. You stop at 30, like no more and that keeps you young, vibrant and burning fat. So yeah, you'll notice a shift there. Yeah. And then at 50, what happens? Everything gets better. No, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 50 is a new 20. 50 is it? Everybody wants to get to 50. Let me tell you, it's way better than 40. I have a, a good friend who just turned 40 and I was like, oh, God bless you. I'll pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> 40s are a little rough. Um, you know, the, here's what happens is, um, you know, menopause is, is technically a year without your, your cycle. So you have to go a full year. And um, in that time, you, it, you, the, estrogen going up and down, the, the, um, progesterone declining, all those things even out. So you feel a little more sane. If you're listening to this and you're in your forties and you feel erratic, like my biggest thing that I want women to know is we tend when in our forties, well, in general, but especially in our forties, you know, when we are feeling emotionally erratic, we want to blame everybody around us. We want to blame our spouse, our children, our sick circumstance, but for the perimenopausal woman, it's there is a legitimate lack of hormones to help you handle stress. You're not getting progesterone. Progesterone calms you. Estrogen sometimes is really high, which makes you feel amazing. Estrogen is like a superpower hormone. And then the next day it, ta- it tanks and you can't focus. So in those 40s, that's it's a tough. And this is where I think as women, we got to band together. Uh, the menopause reset, the book I wrote has five lifestyle changes. I think all women should, should make in their forties, but then when we get to 50, the ride smooths out. So it's a it's nicer because you're not as emotionally erratic, but there are some other things that are happening. Like the first three years of menopause, you, uh, or first five years, you lose 30% of your collagen. So that's a lot. So that's why you start to see wrinkles, Um, I see in my clinic all the time, like women who are around 50 that have these chronic injuries that they just can't seem to overcome. And I think it's because they don't have enough collagen uh, production. I see women in their fifties trying to run marathons. And I'm like, uh, that not a great idea. Super get injured because of the lack of collagen. So emotionally it's better when you get to the other side, collagen wise, it's not. Got it. And if you don't make some changes to lifestyle, you're going to end up with more cancers, more heart attacks, Alzheimer's, all that happens on the other side, which is why we need to teach women about lifestyle. 
Yeah. So this is just so fascinating. I had no clue. It, I feel so validated as in almost 40 something awesome. knowing there are some like, yes. you know, actual true hormonal things going on. Cause I, I can relate to a lot of my poor husband, a lot of what you um, said there. And then you throw two toddlers on top of it. Oh, so God. you don't have to tell me all five, but I'm just curious, like, what are some of the other things besides fasting you recommend? It's super easy that, so fasting's one, um, learning how to vary your ketogenic diet. So the keto diet's really powerful for women over 40 because as estrogen goes up and down, especially when estrogen's down, you are more insulin resistant. So a lot of women in their 40s start to notice that they just can't lose weight. All their old tricks aren't working. So this is where the keto diet can be really helpful. But you have to make sure if you still have a cycle that you're not in ketosis the week before your period. You're actually, because your body needs more insulin in order to make progesterone. And progesterone is that hormone that calms you. It's what sheds the inner lining of your uterus. So you have a cycle. So the, I, I teach, like in the book, I talk about different variations of keto. Then the third one is our microbiome. This one's really interesting. We have a whole set of bacteria in our gut that breaks estrogen down. So if you've been on birth control pills, if you've been on lots of antibiotics over time, what can happen is you don't have these bacteria to break estrogen down. So you will feel like you're more estrogen depleted than you need to be, or the bad estrogen, the, the, the cancer causing estrogen can get out of control. So eating lots of leafy greens, getting back to some of the prebiotic stuff like, um, seeds and nuts, sauerkrauts are really important. So that's, that's the third one. The fourth one is detoxing. Uh, you know, all the, everything you put on your skin, all the toxins you're exposed to are going to affect your hormones. And then the fifth one, uh, was a, a term that Dr. Libby Weaver, who's an am amazing, um, biochemist came up with, which is called rushing woman syndrome. And if you are that type a go, go, go woman, that might work for you in their twenties. That might work for you in your thirties, but I, I got to tell you, it's not going to work in your forties. Yeah. What got you here will not get you there. No, no, okay. it's not your way out. Yeah. I need to interview her. So real quick, going back to the keto diets, this is interesting. So you say the keto diet can be used is very beneficial past 40. And it sounds like three weeks of keto and then maybe one week of, you yeah. know, more complex carbohydrates, I'm guessing would be a wise. Yeah. If you have a 28 day cycle, say, um, yeah. but what about before we're perimenopausal? So like if you're trying to have a third baby or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I came up with something called the fasting cycle is what we're calling it now to help women understand when can I fast? When should I not fast? When should I do keto? When should I not? And here's how it, how it looks. Basically the day you start your period is day one. And so day one to day 10, your body's trying to make estrogen. And estrogen really will thrive when you keep glucose down and you keep insulin down. So if you're trying to have a third baby, we've seen this happen a lot in our online community, in my clinic, women that are trying to get pregnant for years. And once they follow this cycle that I'm about to explain, they actually get pregnant within 30 to 60 days, like very quickly because you make yourself insulin sensitive. So day one to day 10 of your cycle go keto, more fast, estrogen is going to thrive. As you move into ovulation, which is about day 11 to day 15, you can still intermittent fast. A lot of people like the one meal a day, 16, eight kind of style. You can do all that, but you need to up your vegetables. 
Um, because when you're ovulating, you have the most amount of estrogen and the most amount of testosterone, just because you make a hormone doesn't mean you're going to break that hormone down. And it's these fibrous vegetables that are going to help feed the bacteria that will help you break it down. So, you know, keto is, is a little more optional at that point, but what I really want women to do is focus on increasing her vegetables during that ovulation period. Then when you come out of ovulation day 16 to about day 19, you can go keto again. You can go into your longer fast. And then when you hit day 20, no fasting, no keto. And what you want to do at that point is really switch over to progesterone building foods. These are your beans, your potatoes, your squashes, tropical fruits, citrus fruits. These are not keto foods. Right. So, um, we tell women stop fasting, get in some variation, lean into those foods. And then once you, you start bleeding again, go back to your keto. That is like how a 30 day cycle should be for women under 40. Well, and anyway, any woman with a cycle. Yeah. Very interesting. So then you'd introduce breakfast again at day 20 since if you were intermittent fasting and does this help with like PMS or anything like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is really interesting. Because PMS is really mismanaged hormones Mm -hmm. just because there's so many things. I'm sure you've learned this from interviewing so many people that there's so many like urban myths that we have accepted. Um, And PMS is one of those urban myths. You don't have to suffer through PMS. You're just not managing your hormones right. So make sure the week before your period, you're not doing keto. You're not going into longer fast. This also goes for, you really shouldn't be uh, doing extreme workouts. That would not be the time to, to run a marathon. Anytime cortisol goes up, progesterone is going to go down. So if you want your PMS symptoms to improve, you got to chill out that week before. Yeah. And this is why you track it. I, you know, I've, I start that was you asked what I did like in my late 40s. I start I pulled up I use the Clue app and I just track my cycle and I I eat and fast and work out according to where I am in my cycle now. Fascinating. And migraines. I get hormonal migraines. Just have you seen any success yes. the treatment of those? Yeah. So check this out. So progesterone and estrogen work in uh they balance each other out. So when estrogen goes up progesterone needs to keep it under control. They always say the best analogy I've heard is think of estrogen like fertilizer for your grass to make your grass grow and progesterone comes along and mows it. So my hormonal migraines are an increase in estrogen. So if you're getting hormonal migraines, you have too much estrogen during that time, but that could be because you don't have enough progesterone. So try, and I'd love to report back to me, try a little less stress that week, try more of the progesterone building foods, no keto, no fasting, no, you know, if you can avoid any kind of stress, that's the best. Um, but try to see if you manage your stress and you in, in eat those foods I talked about what happens to that migraine, because now you're helping your body make progesterone. Very interesting. I love it. So also though, fasting in women is like just in general controversial thing, or there's people have made it a controversial thing. So I thank you. Are there there like people who shouldn't do it or are there any like downfalls for women, for instance, for fasting, or do you feel like there's a place in every woman's journey for some sort of fasting? 
Um, I think there's a place for every woman to find her groove with fasting. I will tell you the scenarios that make me go, "Mm, you might want to have a coach. You might want to have somebody helping you through the process. Um, And I also want to point out one of of my pet peeves that's happened in the fasting world is that we're, we're saying women shouldn't fast and that's not right. The, what we should be saying is women need to fast differently. Yeah. And that's, that's what the message that needs to get out. So the, the areas that I see people struggle with fasting that can get a little messy. The first one is adrenal fatigue. So there's something called a, a hormetic stress that when we put just a little bit of stress on the body, the body will repair really well. Um, uh, homeopathic had used this for many years and actually vaccines are built upon this originally, which is give a little bit of the toxin, give a little bit of the poison and the body will have this positive reaction. So with adrenal fatigue, if you, if your adrenals are unable to respond to stress, you're going to need to very slowly ease into fasting. So I tell those people, make sure you pull your bad oils out. You're bringing down your refined carbohydrates and you're not eating toxic ingredients and then push your breakfast back like a half hour. Try that for a week and then push it back an hour. The next week, slowly compress your eating window and elongate your fasting window. So I've seen people use fasting to overcome adrenal fatigue, but you don't just jump into a long fast if you have adrenal fatigue. Yeah. Um, Other ones are pregnant women. This is a hard no. Absolutely. Makes no sense. Um, My right hand gal, Jessica, is uh, delivering a baby any week now. And when she first got pregnant, she was a fasting queen. And I was like, I would bring her breakfast in the morning. I'm like, nope, nope, no fasting. So definitely no fasting if you're pregnant. If you're nursing, um, no fasting over 17 hours because you don't want to detox. All that detox stuff is going in your breast milk. So we don't want that. Um, And then outside of that, I would say um, eating disorders. Uh, I think if you know you have a a really rigid, really um, clinical eating disorder, I've seen people change their relationship to food with fasting, but I always put a little asterisk on eating disorders. Work with your doctor. Fasting may not be your tool. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, Let's see. So I'm curious. It seems like I'm very familiar with intermittent fasting. I feel like everyone is right now, especially anyone who's listening to this podcast, right? You know, don't eat for 12 hours, don't eat for 15 hours. But how do you, when do you introduce a three-day fast? (laughs) I want to hear about that. Okay. And we're doing one in my community this week. No, I'm going to, I didn't know. I'm I'm like loving your energy. I'm jumping on this. I want to do one of these three-day fasts. Yeah. Not nursing anymore and not pregnant. So awesome. Yeah. Well, watch. I've been telling everybody this week. I'm like, if you don't want to do the three day, go as long as you can go and watch everybody else. Like you can be a little bit of a voyeur. Um, Okay. So here's how it works is the first fasting hurdle is that 13 to 15 hour mark. So get comfortable there. Um, Once you're comfortable there, we need to push it a little bit. And I tell people one day a week, not every day, push it to 17 hours and get comfortable there. Once you're comfortable there, push it to 24. So typically what we recommend is a five days a week of intermittent fasting. One day a week, you're elongating your fast. And one day a week, don't fast. The human body, whether you're a man or a woman, was made for variation. And that that's a really good variation. 
Once you have that, we call it a 511. Once you have that down, you can do a 24 hour fast, you're feeling good with it, you're actually ready for a three day water fast at that point. Um, and you just have to, you could, I mean, some people go into the 36 hour and they get used to it there, but I found once you can get to 24 hours, you're ready for three days. Um, the trick, the trick to succeeding at it are, is twofold. Um, one stabilize your blood sugar fats are a biggie. This is you and I were talking about this when we first started. This is why I love what primal kitchen did with your salad dressings and the mayonnaise. And like, it's just like, hallelujah, that somebody put a good fat in these products. So get off the bad fats. The bad fats make you insulin resistant. The good fats help you stabilize your blood sugar. Um, bring down the breads, cakes, pastas. doesn't matter if it's gluten-free, Get that, get all that stuff out and, and look at nature's carbs, fruits, vegetables, potatoes, what's grown in the ground. That stuff is going to balance your blood sugar out better than the pre-made foods that you'll find in the middle of your grocery store. So if you're doing that and you've hit the 24, what I do with my three-day water fast is I typically do it Sunday night to Wednesday night. And I will do, okay, end dinner, eight o'clock Sunday night. And then I will fast all day, Monday, all day, Tuesday, break my fast eight o'clock Wednesday night. That mentally seems the easiest for me because I'm busy. My brain, I only have two days that my brain is like, you're not eating because Wednesday you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to eat dinner today. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how we go about it. But I, I just put out a whole series on YouTube on how do you break it? How do you ease into it to help people understand? Very cool. And then what are like, how do you sleep when you're on a three day fast? Uh, you don't sleep as much. And this is interesting. And we get this question a lot. And here's why you're not eating. So you're actually healing during the day. So mm-hmm. re- sleep is for repair. That's why we sleep. So if you're repairing during the day, you don't need as much sleep at night. Interesting. So we find that people, the longer they fast, the less they sleep. And then they kind of worry about that, but it's actually the body just doesn't need as much. Yeah. And are they still feeling energetic during, like during the three day fast? How do you feel? Do you feel like shit? Do you feel good? Like need to low down. Yeah. So it's really interesting because everybody will be different. Um, First day, the first time you do it, the first day is like, okay, I made it through that. Um, The second day, usually day two is the hardest for people. Um, I always say go to bed early, take naps, keep busy. Um, by the third day, I would say 50% of the people start to notice that their ketones are going up so much that they're getting good brain clarity. Um, you're, as ketones go up, your body makes more of a neurotransmitter called GABA and GABA calms you. So it like uh, the longest fast I've done is a five day water fast. And I, by the fifth day, I'm like Zen mama. Like I, I don't want to talk. I'm like super introspective. I, you can see why so many religions use fasting. There's great insight. It's, it's really cool. So, um, so usually the third day you feel better by the fourth, fifth day, if you continue on, you feel like you're buzzing, like somebody put you on some kind of drug, your mental clarity, your, your happiness. I mean, it's crazy. You feel amazing, but day two is a little rough. Yeah. Yeah. And then coming off it, like what's the ease back in pattern? Yeah. So there's, I have a four-step process for the longer ones. The first thing you want to do is some kind of broth. Um, you haven't been eating. If you do bone broth, that's the best. Then you want to do something probiotic rich after that. So you can add some good bacteria in, some sauerkraut, 
or maybe a half an avocado with some sauerkraut on it is a good, really good meal. Um, then you would do the third step is you would do some steamed vegetables, not raw, but steamed. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done those three and you're feeling like you're in a good groove, uh, then you can eat meat if you eat meat, but you wouldn't want to break a three day water fast with meat. That's pretty rough on the digestion. Yeah. Got it. That makes so. sense. Um, and so what diet do you need to do bleeding up to the fast then? Or I guess any fast. Or, or. You can do you can do anything you want. Like here's the way I look at at fasting. Uh, to ask yourself to like know that the research is really profound between 13 hours of fasting and 72 hours. So every day when I get up, I'm like how long am I going today? Um and sometimes I look at my busyness like I just left my house. I was a little bit hungry and I'm like, maybe I want to do, maybe I want to mix it up and do breakfast today. But I knew I was coming to this interview and I'm like, no, by the time I, I, you know, chat with you, my ketones are going to go up. My hunger will go down. I might be able to make it till dinner time. So that's kind of what my mindset is. Then with food, there's really a couple of things we can look at. I think the, the worst things we can eat are the three P's. The, I'm not the three P's, the three, I call them the three worst foods. And then I'll tell you the three P's that you want to add in. So, uh, bad oils, um, refined carbohydrates, even if they're gluten-free and toxic ingredients like artificial flavorings, colorings, uh, Nutrisweet people, we, we get comments all the time. People say, can I have diet Coke while I fast? There's, there's so much evidence showing that Nutrisweet makes you more insulin resistant it, no, you wouldn't want to do Diet Coke while fasting. What about stevia and monk fruit? I'm curious. Yeah, there those work for most people. Um, what we always say is you've got to uh, check it against your blood sugar. So if you have a stevia drink, take a blood sugar re- reading, do, drink your drink, take another reading half hour later. Yeah. If if those are two e- pretty equal, then stevia is keeping you in a fasted state. Yeah. So you want to get off the the same really quick with my matcha latte. Then I could see like I'm having matcha and I don't add any sugar to it. Yeah. I drink it every morning. Primal has a great matcha latte mix. It does have collagen in it. That one would probably break your fast. I'm assuming, but I could test my blood sugar and see like, is this breaking my fast or not based off my insulin levels? That's right. Because here's, here's something totally mind blowing. We all respond to different foods differently because it is our microbiome that is bringing that blood sugar down. So the glycemic index is actually a really poor measurement of, of what a food's going to do, even though it has been our only measurement. So like if you're eating bananas, bananas may spike your blood sugar really high and do nothing for me. And that has to do with my microbiome. So you got to do self-science. You got to test it, which is why I like the blood sugar test. Yeah. I've been wearing a continuous glucose monitor for a while. And I was, before that was an option during one of my pregnancies, I was pricking my finger all the time to just see how I felt. It's been fascinating for sure. Um, Real quick on that note. So at night, say you're intermittent fasting, like, is there a level where your blood sugar goes that's too low? Like I have really low yeah. Blood sugar at night. Like what's your take on that? Yeah. They're worried at any point. Uh, it's a really good question. So there's a, if, if there's a couple ways you would know your blood sugar is going too low one, a continuous glucose monitor is amazing. Um, for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons is you can see what's happening at two and three in the morning. So two and three o'clock in the morning, if your blood sugar has been consistently going down and you have a lot of stored blood or stored sugar in the liver, the liver will dump 
the extra sugar out, which is great. This is how we overcome fatty liver disease. This is, I mean, you want that liver to let go. So you will be okay in that moment on your continuous glucose monitor. You'll see why did my blood sugar go up at two in the morning? It's like, well, the liver did exactly what it was supposed to do. So in that scenario, I'm not so worried. Now, if you're seeing your blood sugar go really down low consistently throughout the night, then you want to do something like a little bit of honey before you go to bed, um, or sometimes I'll do a fat bomb before I go to bed um, so that you don't, because a lot for a lot of women, especially you'll wake up at two in the morning because if the blood sugar drops, all of a sudden the adrenals get a signal and cortisol will go up and you'll, and your body thinks it's in a state of like crisis. So that's where a little bit of fat or a little bit of raw honey is great right before you go to bed. Very interesting. And for those of you guys listening who don't have a continuous glucose monitor, you can ask your doctor for a prescription for a freestyle Libre. You get an app and it's just like a sticker you wear on your arm. It's really easy, painless. So and, easy. Yeah. And your doctor should get a good doctor who will write your prescription for one. Right. We, we could, again, we could like change metabolic syndrome if we would slap one of those on every, every human. Can you just tell me what is metabolic syndrome? This is like the buzzword right now, like metabolic health, all this stuff. And I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of health. And even I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? And how do I measure that in my own self? Yeah. yeah it's a, such a good question. So let's start off with this. Um, when we went into the pandemic, there was a study out at university of North Carolina that that announced that only 12% of Americans were metabolically fit. Okay. That number should have concerned us a lot more than the number of cases testing positive. And let me tell you why. If you are metabolically unhealthy, what it means is you're not able to go in and out of these two energy systems. So you are not able to switch over into fat burner and make ketones. Your blood sugar is too high and it's not coming down and it's saturating those cells with more, more sugar, making it more, uh, uh, attractive to virus. Yeah. More vulnerable. So metabolic syndrome is where the blood sugar has been high for so long and the bo- the person hasn't been trained to fast so they haven't been switched over into this fat burning place and so there it's a combination of mismanaged blood sugar either diabetic or pre-diabetic an increase in waist circumference because all the as we age all that extra sugar goes right around our belly um and a cardiovascular markers like total cholesterol is high or ldl is high So it's a combination of mismanaged blood sugar with cardiovascular damage. And we have so many people metabolically unhealthy. It's ridiculous. And does this show up in any like blood work that you would have from your doctor? Yeah. The the, um, couple of measurements, you want to look at your hemoglobin A1C. Uh, It should be under five. Uh, Your fasting glucose should be somewhere between 70 and 90. Uh, it, CRP is an indication of infl- inflammation. So you want to keep that in a normal range. Every range for CRP can be different based on the blood test. 
Um, uh, HDLs over triglycerides. If you take your HDLs and you divide them by your triglycerides, it'll give you a good uh, reading of, of how insulin resistant you are. I did a whole podcast interview with uh, Ben Bickman. Have you talked to Ben Bickman? No. But oh gosh, you got it. Oh, he's he's amazing. <laughs> he's uh he's an a, an expert in insulin uh in insulin in general and insulin resistance. And he's lovely man. He he's a professor at University of uh, Utah. Love so um yeah. so that yeah so and that is kind of the main things you're looking for. Um, but you know to date oh high blood pressure is another metabolic syndrome indicator. Okay. They have a list of about seven different things. And if you have three or more, you have metabolic syndrome. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. And it is a buzzword. It is a buzzword. It needs to be a buzzword. For sure. Right. We have to address this. Yeah. I feel like people just don't even know how to assess like where they're at or how, and is it reversible? Or you- it's, re- it's not only reversible, it's reversible in weeks. Yeah. Like this is not hard. This is why I'm like on this, we got to get a million people fasting yeah. because even if I took a, a million people and I compressed their eating window, if they all had metabolic syndrome and I compressed their eating window to 10 hours, the research is showing you can eat a Western diet, bad oils, bad sugars, as long as you compress it in a 10 hour window, leaving 14 hours for fasting, you become immune to the metabolic damage that, 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 that diet creates. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah. And it's free. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get the info info out there. I know that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I, I hear you. So, um, you talk a lot about salt. What's, what's your obsession with salt? (laughs) Did my family tell you to ask that question? (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. My obsession with salt, a couple of things. Uh, hopefully people are familiar with regenerative agriculture. Um, you know, our, the food that we're eating, the, the vegetables we're eating, if it's not, if it's in a conventional farm, um, is really deficient of minerals. So, uh, and we see this in the fasting world a lot. You, people start fasting, they get heart palpitations, their hair falls out. And usually it's because they had a mineral deficiency to going into that fast. So I, be, I become obsessed with salt because it is a beautiful way to add minerals back in. Um, and it just depends on which, you know, you got to get a, like something like Redmond sea salt. You got to get a salt that doesn't have a lot of chemicals in it. Um, uh, iodized salt is not my favorite. What's the Morton sea salt with the little, yeah, yeah, that has it's chlorinated. You got to get a really pure salt and it'll have a lot more minerals that will help you add back in what you're not getting in your foods. That that helps your fasting, but it also helps your hair. It helps, uh, you need uh, potassium for relaxing your muscles, magnesium. You need zinc to be able to think right. Like minerals are really important for our mental health and we're very deficient in it. Yeah, no, makes sense. Um, Okay, so question, besides fasting, like what are you most excited about right now in health and wellness? Oh, that's a great question. I did. I want, I'm on a crusade to overturn metabolic syndrome. I I think that's really my passion. Um, I would say the second thing would be teaching women how to vary their, her food choices. Um, I think we can solve so metabolic syndrome with fasting and food. We don't need medications. We don't need supplements. We're going to solve it with fasting and food. And if we can solve it that way, everybody can afford to do it. So I think, I think I'm the most excited about that. 
Um, this may be a little more controversial uh, and excitement may not be the right word, but I'll, I'll say it anyways, and you can decide if you want to edit it out. Um, th- th- we're showing there are signs that the vaccine's not as uh, the cure-all that we thought. Yeah. And a large part of that is because of metabolic syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at the studies on obesity, um, people who make uh, who get vaccinated that are obese don't make as many antibodies. It's not as effective. So there, to me, as we go into winter, now I know you probably have an audience like mine that's worldwide. Maybe people are going into summer, but here in America, we've, we've got a real problem at this moment because we put all of our you know, thoughts and attention around the vaccine. But we've not just got the Delta variant. We have 13 different variants that are coming down the road. Yeah. And the va- and vaccinated people are getting the Delta variant and they're ending up in the hospital. So we need another tool here. And this is where fasting is the tool, in my opinion. So I feel like we became obsessed with the vaccine in the beginning of 2021. We were, I think the general premise of of society was, I don't have to focus on my health. I can just get the vaccine. And I think we're now seeing there, this is very clear. We've got to fix metabolic health. So I'm excited to help people do that. I love it. That's amazing. I'm, I'm here for it. So who's inspiring you these days? I know you mentioned a few people, but who else is inspiring you? Well, I, I'm kind of a, a, a science nerd. So I like, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of things. Um, I spend every day going to the current research. So, so the studies on COVID um, right now are inspiring me because of their sh- all pointing at, me- at metabolic syndrome. Yeah. Outside of that, I'm really impressed with some people that are really uh, health influencers that are standing up and really coming out ag- against this idea that um, or, or for metabolic health. And yeah. one of them is Dr. Paul Saladino. Yeah. Have you, have you interviewed him? I He's, I think, been on here maybe with Mark before. Carnivore. Yeah. Yeah. Diet, Paul. Yeah. Everyone. He's a big hit. Yeah. (laughs) But but what I love if you, so to give you some perspective, those of us that are out on social media, we have to be very careful about what we say. And we do for two reasons. One, we can be censored, but two, um, people get angry. And so when someone like Paul, medical doctor comes out and says, here's the research, I'm not anti-vax, I'm pro-safe vax. And I, it's the research is showing that we need to still get metabolically healthy in order for this vaccine to be efficient, effective. That's powerful. So he's saying it can Dr. Ken Berry saying it, Dave Asprey has been saying it, like you're seeing more and more people just lovingly say, Hey guys, doesn't matter which side of the vaccine debate you're on. We got to get metabolically yeah. healthy. That's inspiring me. Regardless. Yeah. 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 And exactly. I mean, there's other things, you know, in the world besides COVID, right? Like there were a lot of other health concerns prior to COVID. Yeah. Where'd they, they all go? Cancer. And yeah. So, I mean, we should be metabolically healthy because it's going to have an effect on, you know, other things that are yeah. also a threat, right? And- yeah. And this, this is my point. Like we can all sit here and bitch and moan about the pandemic, or we can say, holy moly, we have an opportunity to get the whole world healthy right now. And it's going to happen through metabolic health. This is, this is why I'm so fired up about it. Yeah. So if we want to continue to bitch and moan, we're going to be in this thing a lot longer, but yeah. if we band together and we all become metabolically healthy, now we have some progress we can make over this, this situation. 
Yeah. Um, going back to something I just thought of, I wanted to ask you earlier, what's your thought on like bioidentical hormones being so involved in like women experiencing menopause? Yeah, it's also a great question. So, um, whether you choose to do HRT or bioidenticals, I personally think it's a personal choice. Um, I think there's pros and cons to each. Um, uh, what's you know, HRT? Bi- I don't even know what uh, HRT. Hormo- hormone replacement, replacement therapy. therapy. Okay. Yeah. So with HRT, some of the studies have been, um, really adversarial and show that the, it, it they're controversial. They show that they can actually cause more dementia. They've shown that they can cause more breast cancer. So there's a whole fight in science over HRT right now. Bioidenticals doesn't have that fight because the risks are much less. So I think bioidenticals can be a really good resource for um, as you go through menopause. But here's what I would tell you is whether you choose HRT or bioidenticals, it's just like the vaccine. It does not give you a free pass to do whatever you want with your lifestyle. So you, if you clean up your lifestyle and then you go on bioidenticals, that could be a really good solution. Not for everybody, but it could be a good solution. If you go on bioidenticals and you keep being a stressed out woman who's eating you know, junk food all the time. I don't think it, I don't think it's going to help. I think you still set yourself up for the diseases that happen later on. Interesting. Is there any link between hormone therapy and like cancer or anything like that, that is of concern? Yeah. Yeah. That was the problem with the HRT was more, more breast cancer. That was the big concern. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. When you normally just say you're just intermittent fasting, what's your normal, like your five of the five one, one, how many hours and what do you break it with? Oh, what I break it with is really another interesting topic. Um, so I usually go most days, 15 to 17 hours, um, unless I, unless it's the week before my period and then I eat breakfast. Um, so that's kind of normal on my busier days. I'll try to stretch it to 24. Like I talked about what you break it with. There's three different things you can break a fast with. And the four step process I told you was really for longer fasts. These three things are based off of what you're trying to accomplish with your body. So remember that fasting heals but food heals too. I mean, Primal Kitchen's a great example of that. Food is still a healing, has a healing piece to it. So we can't just throw food out. So when you break your fast with protein, what you're doing is you're stimulating something called mTOR. So mTOR helps you build muscles. So if you fast for 17 hours, you clean the cells out and then you break it with protein. That's a great way to create like a strong body that looks lean and is, and has great energy. You're taking autophagy of 17 hours, and then you're breaking it with protein and and stimulating mTOR. I love that combination. Then there's fat. Some people break their fast with fat. The only reason to break it with fat is because you want to elongate your fast. So if it's two o'clock in the afternoon, you were hoping to go to six o'clock, try a half avocado try some, um, MCT oil that will sometimes stable you out, kill the hunger hormone, and you can go a little longer. Got it. So it's like a mini meal. It's not really like a full breaking of the fast. It's like a a tool, a fat extension tool. Okay. Yeah. Mini meal is a perfect way to say it. And then the third one is anything probiotic. So if you need to repair any gut microbiome, have some sauerkraut, raw kefir is great. Uh, a yogurt could be really good to break your fast with. And sometimes you mix them all. Like I used to do forever. I was doing avocado and sauerkraut 
was my well, combo. I love that. I'm going to yeah. add that to my diet. That's a great idea. Yeah. What if I work out in the morning? Like I play tennis or surf, I, but I'll play like tennis for two hours. I love it. Um, is that a problem if I'm fasting? No, it's actually really good. So when you work out in a fasted state, what you're doing is you're stacking two biohacks. So fasting is forcing your body to go after stored sugar. We call that glycogen. Working out is also forcing your body to release stored sugar. Fasting will release stored sugar primarily from fat and from liver, and working out will release it from muscle. So I have, I've gotten to a point I cannot work out after I've eaten. doesn't make sense unless it's like a walk after a meal, but it's a beautiful way to really empty out those sugar stores, put you into ketosis a little quicker, and ultimately it's a healthier way to do it. I love it. Okay. What's the worst thing you've ever done for your own health? Oh my gosh. The worst thing. That's a good one. Okay. I'll tell you what the worst one is. So do you remember the master cleanse? Oh yeah. 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 So I did 14 days. Maple syrup, lemon juice. Yes. I remember you did 14 days of the master cleanse, 14 days of the master cleanse. And now I look back on it. I'm like, that was so stupid because with the maple syrup, you never brought your blood sugar down in this. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. That was the worst thing. I love it. Okay. What is um, the weirdest health hack you do that most people aren't doing? Oh, that's really interesting. Well, um, most people aren't doing it. I don't think it's weird. We should be doing it. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with light right now. Okay. So I get up, I, um, well, there, I have a whole sleeping routine I do. Um, but I leave my shades open so that the sun wakes me up. So I get up with the sun. Um, I go out into my backyard as the sun is rising and I sit out there and meditate so that I get morning sunlight. Sometimes I'll do a juve light or some red light on me to just, it's, it's a way to initiate to the body. Hey, um, it's, it's now gonna, we're going to start my circadian rhythm. It's daytime. Your body starts to make uh, melatonin. It will store the melatonin in the cells. Two hours after your eyes register sunlight, you'll get a peak of cortisol. So then I go and work out when that cortisol peak starts. In the middle of the day, I get outside, walk around without sunglasses on and make sure that I see the bright light, the midday light that will initiate serotonin receptor sites in the eyes so that we can make more serotonin, which keeps you happy. And then at night, I um, go for a walk at, at sunset and, and there's more red light. It tells my body, hey, it's time to go to bed. It lets those cells release the melatonin. And then when I come back in, I'll put blue blockers on so that I don't get any blue blue light into my eyes. Um, and then the next step beyond that, I'm obsessed with temperature in my, in my sleeping area. I've got a chili pad. Um, you got to get your temperature down two to five degrees in order for your body to want to go into a sleep state. So I make my room nice and cold. My poor husband put the chili pad and boom, I'm asleep because it's nice and cold. So that's kind of been my, like getting my routine back in order and syncing myself with nature. Yeah. Mark's an investor in chili pads. So we've been watching that uh, for the last few years together and it, they're doing cool things. It's a really cool company for those of you that don't know, they sell like a cooling pad for the top of your mattress and people amazing. love, he sleeps with that. He and Carrie yeah. do every night. So it's a cool product. Yeah. Um, I love that. Light is, this is becoming a popular thing. I feel like yeah, I follow is. a lot of people who are like really into this, like sunrise. Yeah. 
look at the sun, all the effects can have. It's very cool. Um, okay. A few more. What is something that most people don't know about you? Oh my gosh. I know. Um, oh, well, okay. So there's a couple of things. Um, I was a vegan for 10 years really? and I'm a carnivore lover now. Okay. Uh, Recovered it, vegan. Yeah. Didn't work for me. I read, I read John Robbins, a diet for new America. I was, I agreed with everything in that book, went vegan for 10 years and I was the sickest I've, I've ever been. Interesting. So, so that would be one. Um, the second one you said, uh, tennis the other day, I was a, um, scholarship tennis athlete at university of Kansas. I played, oh, right. uh, yeah. And I actually wanted to go be a professional tennis player. Um, and then I got chronic fatigue syndrome and became obsessed with health and my whole life changed, but yeah, a lot of people don't know that. No, well. that's great. Excellent. Yeah. We'll have to get out there. We'll yeah. Yeah. California play some Absolutely. tennis. Absolutely. Sounds great. Um, okay. My last one, cause I know you're a primal kitchen fan. So if you were a primal kitchen product, which primal kitchen product would you be? I always oh say, my gosh. I would be Chipotle mayonnaise. Like I'm Midwest. I was just going to say that. <laughs> there you go. But very spicy. <laughs> yes. It, like I would be Chipotle mayonnaise because I, uh, a it's got the right oils. It's healthy, but it's got a little punch. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely have some punch, Doctor. Yep. So yeah, and I'm loving that. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, thank I you know do. you've written a few books, so I'm just going to tell everyone to go. Why don't you give everyone a lowdown on like where they can follow you, how we can do this three day reset with you, and just how we keep up with you in the world because you're clearly doing amazing things. Thank you. Um, well, YouTube is my passion project. I put all my science out on uh, on fasting and the application. So I mean, literally anything you need to know about fasting, you can find it on my YouTube channel. Uh, Instagram, I'm having a lot of fun on Instagram right now, just doing some IGTVs and answering. I'm doing reels over there, answering people's questions. So there's a whole nother bit of information over there. Uh, the books, you can always, and if you forget all this, you just go to drmindypels.com. Uh, if you're a woman around 40 or over 40, the menopause reset was written for you. It's literally a quick read. You can pick it up, shows you what you need to do. And it's been what really well received. Um, so those are kind of, if you want to fast with us, we have a closed Facebook group called the resetter collaborative. It's free. Um, and so you can fast there. And then we have a membership group called the reset Academy for anybody who needs more like help on how to do all this. They need, like, I've got guides in there. We've got a great community that's in my reset Academy. I love it. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything with us. It was great to chat with you today. You. Um, you guys should check out Dr. Mindy. I've interviewed a lot of people, but I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Thank <laughs> this you. is great. Um, and everyone, please note this content's registered to Primal Kitchen. So thanks, you guys, and we'll see you next week.